Hey, Akshamash, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. Uh, you know, this is Jake Okorowski. We've got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. And, of course, another great site that you should visit. I know I visit it frequently. It is BadgerBlitz.com, the site, the rival site that covers all things Wisconsin Badgers as well. And and on this show we have former. Uh, and let me just talk real quick. What we're going to talk about today is really just uh, breaking down the 2017 Wisconsin Badgers football season. We have not had a chance to do that with all the Green Bay Packers talk, all the changes in the front office and the coaching staffs. And then we, I've wanted to do. And Scotty and I both have wanted to do a, a standalone show where we really kind of laid down like just looking back on the 2017 season and with that we've uh, bringing on former Bucky's fifth quarter contributor now uh lead beat writer does great stuff over at badgerblitz.com and has their own podcast as well we got john veldice john how you doing tonight i'm doing great how are you doing great doing great and it's a you know looking back and you know getting it right into it it's you know, this 2017 season for the wisconsin badgers 13 and 1 34-24 win over Miami in the Capital One Orange Bowl that you got to go down to sunny Miami for, which I am still jealous about. Well, we had to deal with <laughs> negative temperatures uh, here in Madison and Milwaukee, but uh, you it was know, a nice escape. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I still remember the the messages telling that you had to put on pants, and I was like, "Oh, I am so sorry. I am so sorry, sir, that you have to do that while I am in three was, layers of clothing." It was sixty degrees by kickoff. I mean, what do you expect? I'm not going to go wear wearing shorts at sixty degrees. <laughs> I would, <laughs> but it's a uh, plus. My I would have. I was hoping that you would have worn a, a palm tree shirt or something like that. It'd be a little more <laughs> festive. I was. I would have done that. Anyways, that's regardless. Uh, you know, John, it's great having you on the show again. And you know, this season has been, you know, uh, it's been intriguing to watch. Wisconsin came within pretty much a drive of clinching the college football playoff berth, but. Uh, you look back, you know, Big Ten West Division champions, New Year's Six Bowl win, winning a senior class in, in school history, and you know the first season ever uh, that they've recorded 13 wins. Yeah. What, looking back, is your general feelings towards this team and what they accomplished in 2017? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I, I think it's a team that you know absolutely lived up to. Um, people's expectations because that that was the big I think that was the big question going into the season and you know what people were talking about in, in those early first couple of weeks or so was that you know can this team uh, run the table in the regular season and be undefeated going into the Big Ten championship game and you know there were I, I in the preseason I was kind of wavering back and forth on whether or not I thought that they would you know, lose a game in the regular season, or if I thought they were going defeated, um, I I feel like I I said different things in different interviews and you know in different uh, uh, predictions pieces. I don't know that I ever really settled on one, um, but the, I mean to their credit, they did. I mean, like they uh, they went undefeated, which is you know, it's obviously the first time in, in program history that they uh, finished the regular season at 12 and 0 undefeated, which is that's a major accomplishment. I mean, the, even with the um, you know relatively lighter schedule that they were playing, you know, obviously they didn't have that opening 
game of the season against you know, a top tier SEC team like they'd have had over the last couple of years or so, and um, there, there were other non conference games that they scheduled. Um, the, the teams that they played really did not, um, you know, kind of stack up to you know the way that they were playing when those games got scheduled because. You know, BYU in general is you can kind of bank on a nine or ten win season from them every year. And you know, when the Badgers scheduled that Utah State series, uh, you know, that was right after the, uh, you know, uh, when Gary Anderson was there, the Aggies were pretty good uh, during that stretch when they scheduled them. But you know, with with the way that the the season um, played out, you know, you can't control that those teams you know, ended up being weaker when you ended up playing them. Um, and so that that definitely did kind of limit their options as far as what they needed to do to to get into the playoffs. They really had to go undefeated and then win the uh, the Big Ten Championship game. And you know, to their credit, they were able to do it. And that, that takes a lot of focus. And, um, you know, I think it was just, you know, the, the coaching staff did a really good job of pushing the right buttons. And, you know, I think they knew that they had a team that could handle the, the kind of week-to-week, you know, um, I guess if you want to refer back to that that old uh, Brett Bielema one and zero, you know, catchphrase that he'd had, where you know at the end of the week they just wanted to be one and zero, and then at the you know at the end of the year uh, they would end up where they ended up. And you're right, they came really close to you know making that uh, that bid into the the college football playoff. I'm almost certain that they would have um, gotten that uh, gotten one of those spots if they had uh, beaten Ohio State and it looked for you know like you said for a drive or two there that. Uh, they had a chance to do it, but, you know, they came up short. Um, games and big games and games against, you know, teams like Ohio State go that way sometimes. So didn't exactly fall away. The Badgers wanted it to, but, you know, to go into the Orange Bowl and beat a great team uh, like Miami, I think it really uh, validated their season overall and proved that, you know, the Badgers were more than just um, kind of the, the paper tiger that I think people kind of thought they were uh, just from looking at the teams that they beat during the regular season. So, Here's the thing, uh, John, all through the season, you know, people would try to get this team to look ahead. And, you know, all coaches and most players, if they're in the right uh, program, say, look, we're not looking ahead. We're looking towards the next game. Even when they suffered the setback to Ohio State, well, we're not thinking about what could have been. We're thinking about Miami. And you hear that and a lot of times it's, you just think it's cliche, but for this Badger team, it just seems like they just had that mindset, right? Like, you know what? We're just going to take care of what's ahead of us immediately and we'll worry about those other things later. I think it's just a testament to um, the the older players in the, you know, on the team and on the roster right now. They, you know, that, I mean, that kind of mindset is something that um, I think the Badgers have tried to make part of their program. You know, really, for for as long as I can remember, um, you know, even go back to uh, you know when uh, when Brett when Brett Vilan was there. Um, so I think it's it's something that it's just part of the institutional memory of the program right now. Where you know, when you have your your fifth year seniors and juniors and your fourth year seniors, um, you know, kind of preaching that and buying into that, it makes it a lot easier for the the younger guys to uh, to focus in on that too. And I think it's just it, it just ends up being. Um, something where you have the right mix of uh, of personalities, and I think that goes into um, you know recruiting and you know identifying the, the you know not not only the the, the guys that are you know, good fits uh, schematically and talent wise for what the Badgers are looking to do, but you know they need to be good uh, personality and uh, you know character fits too, because you know if you have a bunch of guys that are um, you know kind of I guess 
more prone to looking ahead or maybe they get a little uh, self-absorbed or get, you know, uh, wrapped up into stats. I mean, it's easier to look ahead and, you know, the Badgers just didn't let that happen this year. You're here with John Baldice here on Bucky's fifth quarter, the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza from BadgerBlitz.com. Of course, follow him at John Veldheis, that's V-E-L-D-H-U-I-S, uh, on the Twitter. And you know, in your opinion, what's the biggest surprise with this team, right? Let's, I think that's the biggest thing where you have, uh, you know, is it the emergence of Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, you and I were at most of those fall camp practices before they were closed in the media where he, he looked good, but he was more with the reserves. And the next thing you know, uh, goes on to become a Doak Walker finalist and, and you know, only a what, couple of first down runs away from 2000 uh, on the season. And, and then, you know, or is it like the, the young wide receiver core where, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that jazz PV and George rushing wouldn't be major factors in an offense, I would be, I would say it'd be a little concerning uh, on that matter. Or is it, you know, something else with that team where, you know, a defense rising up with Jim Leonard being the first-year defensive coordinator uh, and yet still being a top-five squad uh, without a T.J. Watt, without a Vince Beagle, Sojourn Shelter, and Leo Musso. Is, is there one major surprise to you that really pops out? I think you kind of hit on the ones uh, that uh, that I was going to bring up. I mean, I think the biggest surprise to me of the season um, was probably Jonathan Taylor's emergence. I mean, you know, pretty much all of our, our, you know, chat about the the 2017 and Wisconsin's offense in in the off season at the end of last year uh, at running back was obviously they were going to be without um, Corey Clement and uh, Dari Olubuwale. And so that was a pretty big hole to replace. And, you know, it looked like there was definitely playing time up for grabs. And, you know, we were kind of wondering if, you know, how they were going to split uh, touches between guys like Bradrick Shaw and Chris James, both of who, you know, looked good in the, in the practices and then, you know, the game action that we've seen from them. I mean, Brad, Bradrick Shaw looked like he had been taking some steps forward at the end of his season in 2016. And Chris James looked good in uh, the off season practices that we saw after he had to sit out after transferring from Pitt. And so that was really the, you know, the conversation in the fall is how do you split all those reps between those guys? And then, you know, you don't know if, uh, you know, if Taiwan deal is healthy, what is he, how does he factor in there? And then, you know, that just brought in, uh, you know, Rashid Ibrahim for his fifth uh, uh, season of college eligibility. And so there are a lot of bodies there. And then, you know, just from a, a combination of injuries and, um, you know, a young player being really ready to, to step up and take a, a larger role. Um, he just kind of, I mean, Taylor, I mean, just grabbed the job and ran away with it. Cause I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, um, you know, they got, they bumped him up to, they had three co-starters listed on their depth chart for that first week against Utah state. Yep. And then I believe uh, Shaw got hurt or he had some kind of lingering leg injury in that game. And then um, that's what allowed, uh, Taylor to to go from I think he only got a couple of touches that first game but he I think he was their leading rusher and then he got that pro that full first game against uh, FAU where he was really kind of the bell cow guy and you know from that point on it was just kind of the Jonathan Taylor show and uh, you know I think that was just the most surprising thing to, to climb over all of those guys on the depth chart um, and doing it as a true freshman, you know, had, and, you know, it's not like he was an early role, en- enrollee either. He, you know, he had 
only been on campus for a couple of weeks by the time that he started to make those plays in the, in the closed practices. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the, the most surprising thing. Um, and, you know, I think that bodes well for, for him and for Wisconsin's offense in, in the future, uh, just, you know, to, to climb over what I thought and still think are some talented guys in that running back room and to really make that job his own uh, really stood out to me. And I, I don't, I don't want to discount, you know, the, the job that, um, Jim Leonard and that defense did in um, it was st- remaining a top tier unit again, despite losing those big names from last year's defense. But uh, Jonathan Taylor's emergence, I-, I think, is definitely the the surprising part of the 2017 season. You know, I've uh, attested for a while that I think a lot of rank and file Badger fans have gotten spoiled. And uh, just for some disclosure, my first Badger game I attended, I was 11 years old and. It was 1982, and I watched the Badgers, led by Randy Wright, beat Michigan State 24-23. The moral of that story, though, is after the Dave McLean era, I sat through, you know, six or seven just god-awful years. But since, you know, the Alvarez regime, since 1993, 14-9 in bowl games, eight top ten finishes, yet there was so much hand-wringing this year about the play of Alex Hornibrook. In your in your mind, how do you think Hornerbrook not only performed but how he handled some of the outside criticism? I thought that by and large there were games he didn't look good. There were games he looked phenomenal. But if you were having to to write the recap of his season, of how do you think it it, it finished for him? Um, well, obviously it, it finished on a super high note. Um, with uh, I, I think I don't think there's uh, much of a controversy in that his game against Miami was his game of the of the season his you know his best game of his career so far to uh to really propel um wisconsin's offense in that game against you know miami's defense uh came into that game with a lot of confidence a lot of swagger they had that turnover chain which i thought was so cool um and, and, and you know despite being a, a a relatively interception prone um you know passer this season uh he, you know, he didn't turn the ball over in that game. Uh, made some great throws, and I, you know, I was talking with, you know, just looking over at some of the other riders that I was at the game with, you know, in between plays, and it's like, man, he's uh, he's feeling it today. And I, I think that game, you know, really goes to show um, just what the Badgers have in him and why they. Uh, you know, because you, you see these things on Twitter and, you know, people complain on, on message boards about him. And, yeah, I mean, I get it. He he made some bad throws this year. I mean, he finished the year with 15 interceptions. Um, and, you know, to throw all those picks in, in Big Ten play against, you know, what people were, you know, I don't think unfairly called a, a relatively light schedule this year. You know, it's definitely concerning. And it's things that he wants, he and the Badgers will want to, to clean up moving forward. But, you know, Hornerbrook can give you games like that uh, against Miami, and you know, no, there, there aren't other quarterbacks on the roster that can do that. And so, you know, because he has that high ceiling, the Badgers are are willing to 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 live with the um, occasional interception, and you'll hope that he learns and grows from it. I mean, he's only a sophomore, and. You know, he finished the year with a, like uh, above 62% completion percentage. He threw 25 touchdowns this year. His passer rating went up from his first year as as uh, a starter. Um, so I think it was a, a good season, a step forward for Hornerbrook. 
Uh, and you know, to be honest, I, I just don't think that we've seen his um, his ceiling yet. I mean, like I don't expect that he's going to play like he did in uh, against Miami and you know every game going forward. I mean, that's just unrealistic. But you know, if he can clean up some of those interceptions, and I'd kind of like to see him, um, you know, maybe become a little more mobile out of the pocket just to, you know, get out of, uh, out of a pocket if it's breaking down and, you know, extend the play even a little bit. He doesn't have to turn into Russell Wilson or anything, but I think there's definitely still room to grow and it was a definite step forward season for him, despite the, you know, the, the interceptions that I know, you know, uh, bug people. And, you know, when you have a couple that are returned for touchdowns like that, it, it kind of, you know, makes it sting even worse than, um, than uh, what a normal interception would do. But uh, I thought it was a good season for Hornbrook. And, you know, just because he has another two years left of uh, time to work with Paul Crest and with John Budmeyer and to really hone his game more, um, I, I think Badgers fans should be excited about, you know, what he can do over the rest of his career. You know, and maybe just, you know, we're going to do our 2018 show uh, next week, hopefully. And it's, uh, but the you know, talking to everyone, the, the whole saying goes everyone's favorite player on a team is the backup quarterback. I know you and I got a chance to see Jack Cohn a lot, both in spring and in the fall. He jumped over Kari Lyles, uh, you know, to become the number two quarterback. But I mean, just to put this to rest in my opinion, I mean, uh, unless something happens to Hornerbrook or Jack Cohn becomes Superman and, you know, and like what Nate Tice told me, uh, for the book back, uh, you know, a couple of years back saying, you know, how Scott Tolzien had the best, uh, you know, camp he he's ever seen as a person. If Jack Cohn can replicate something like that to, to somehow leapfrog over Hornybrook. I mean, Alex is is the quarterback for for the 2018 season, unless something happens, injuries or other unforeseen circumstances. Like, I mean, I know people love Cohn, but I mean, do you agree that I mean, with what you saw that progression with Hornybrook, it, it he, I mean, he's earned that right one to to have that throne and uh, be the starter, right? Am I am I off base there, or is everyone just trying yeah. to drink the Kool Aid of Jack Cohn, even though he's unproven? No, you're you're not off base. I mean, barring an barring an injury, or you know, like you said, a a Tolzien esque leap forward by Jack Cohn. I mean, Alex Hornbrook is going to be your starting quarterback next year. Um, and th- that's not to say that the Badgers don't want to see more out of out of Cone. And you know, I think it would it would do Hornerbrook some good just to have um, you know Cone um, kind of take what he learned in that first year with the team and um, you know kind of progress a little bit more. And you know, not not only to to kind of put some pressure on to Hornerbrook to make sure that he's you know. Um, continuing to to get better and to to refine his craft but also just to give the badgers you know a, a serviceable backup option for you know if something were to happen to hornbrook and he were to miss um you know a a play or a series or a game or several weeks or whatever i mean because that was a big concern you know for the badgers this year is that you know they had hornbrook coming back but behind him there was nobody that had taken a a snap uh for the badgers under center and so you know, now uh, that that Cone was able to get into some games and um, you know kind of get that out of the way, get a get a feel for for playing in a college game, even if it wasn't in a in a uh, competitive you know environment where the game where the result of the game was in doubt. At the very least, the Badgers have somebody else on their roster now who has played in a college game before, and I think that's definitely something 
um, that, you know, you can um, look back at the season and say, all right, well, you kind of checked that box, developed a little bit of quarterback depth. The Badgers will hope that, you know, if Hornibooks takes a, a step forward, that they won't have to uh, play Jack Cohn in a, in a game where the result is still in doubt because uh, for all intents and purposes, Hornibrook is a good couple steps ahead of him. But um, I, I think it would do some good to get a little more competition in there. And I, I think there will be. I expect to see some growth from Cohn just because we're coming up on a spring football in a couple months here, and this will be his second spring. So it'll be an interesting time to look and see just how much he's grown. But, you know, I, I mean, to get back to what we were originally talking about, I don't see any reason to suspect that Alex Hornerick will not be Wisconsin starter next year. Here's here's an interesting question. As I look at this team, finished thirteen and one, and I started asking myself, what was the best Badger team of all time? Now, record wise, thirteen wins. You know, that you can make an argument for that. Twenty eleven, two thousand six. 1993, that first Rose Bowl season. Even 1998, if you take out that Cincinnati loss with the with the really bad fumbles at the most inopportune times, those are all teams that you could put in the mix. But if you had to pick one, what was the best Badger team of all time? Okay, so uh, my knowledge of Wisconsin football um, is, I would say, relatively shaky uh, pre-2009. So I can give you from 2009 yep. – forward because uh, that's when I started school but uh, so if, man if I had to think um, the the best offense that I've seen is absolutely um, 2011 uh, I, I, I doubt that I will see a better college offense than what the Badgers had in 2011 just from the the guys that were on that team and um, just the the football talent. I mean, you look at that too deep, and I I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed. I think I feel like if you look at the too deep of that offense, you can count on one hand the number of guys that did not get an NFL shot. And I think I mean like that's just you know astounding. Um, just the the depth and the uh, the production of that offense. I, I think it would be hard to match. I mean, I'll be curious to see what this 2018 you know group can do. Um, and if they can come close, but that's, that's a pretty tall ask. Um, as far as the, the defense goes, um, I don't know. I mean, like the, um, I think you could really pick, uh, I mean, the last year's defense with, uh, with TJ Watt and, uh, and Vince Beagle leading that group. I mean, any of these post Dave Aranda defenses, I think, you know, you could you could use as, and say that they were you know the the best. Um, the, this defensive secondary this year is probably the best that the Badgers have had you know in that I can remember um, just from you know from their their starting four. Um, but you know to pick one team, I don't know. I, I, I yeah. When we started talking about this, I, I wasn't sure about this group if you could call it that. But um, you know, the more than the, the more than I'm thinking about it now, I think you can make a real case for this. You know, maybe uh, being the the most well-rounded um, of Wisconsin's recent teams, just from you know performing on offense, performing on defense at the same time. Because I was going to say 2011, but if you look back at that defense, uh, you know that's uh, the couple busted coverages and, uh, you know, things like that uh, were the reason why that team did not go to the, uh, the national championship game that year. So I don't know that I could say that they were the, that they were the best. Um, so, well, yeah, I don't know. You had the back-to-back kind of Marys, right, that year? That was. That right, was, yeah. So. 
Yeah, no, it is a it, 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 this team. I mean, I guess like is what are you know just for a couple more questions for you before we let you go, John. The uh, you know kind of looking you talked about that defense and just how how much did you know the the two you know transfers in on that defensive front in your opinion? I mean, Nick Nelson obviously you know consensus first team All Big Ten selection declares for the draft after uh, the win in Miami and then. You know Andrew Van Ginkle. I don't know if people really know just how much, how well he's, you know, how much he solidified that outside linebacker spot as that rotational player in, and really came on. And, and, and you know, in, you know, we're not talking about 2018, but those last two games uh, in big time situations against Ohio State and then against Miami with with his interceptions. Uh, but also, you know, he had. You know, I think if I'm not mistaken, he was tied for second in sacks, and then, uh, you know, was you know near the top in tackles for loss. Like he he came, he was a reserve player, but he came in rotationally and he was a contributor. I think you know uh, both played huge roles uh, in, in this defense. And, and I mean, I'm not even getting a chance to talk about you know the defensive line, who I, in my opinion, I think is is underrated too. But you know, those two transfers played a huge role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um... The, the Badgers, uh, I mean, like having uh, a guy like Nick Nelson, who, you know, probably was was the team's best corner um, last year but couldn't play uh, just because of the transfer rules, uh, have him come in and to solidify that other starting job, you know, opposite uh, Derek Kendall, I mean, like that was, that was invaluable, especially since, you know, as, as college football kind of progresses and, you know, you play more teams that uh, are going to spread you out a little bit more and throw the ball. I mean, to have a guy like Nelson who was, you know, near the top in the, in the, uh, the, the nation this year and, and passes have broken up. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you could put a, a value on that. And, you know, I think we we're seeing, uh, I, I don't think he, he surprised anybody on the, on the coaching staff or, or in the locker room by turning pro you know, after only playing a year, I mean, like, I think everybody knew that, uh, you know, he was, uh, that was kind of the deal. He was ready to, uh, to, to play one, you know, one really good season for the Badgers and then, um, you know, go make some money in the pros. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those stories. It's kind of like, uh, Ryan Ramchick, uh, the, the previous year. I mean, you have this guy that's, you know, working away on the scout team for a year. They, everybody knows that, uh, you know, this is going to be an option for him if he, uh, you know, plays like that, and then he uh, turns in a really solid season for the Badgers. And the, the the unfortunate part for the Badgers is that they don't, you know, with um, with Nelson, you know, now going off the pros, that's uh, an area of uh, kind of concern for the defense, just in terms of, you know, who are you going to uh, to get to replace uh, those three starters in the defensive backfield just to, um, you know, kind of fill those holes. Uh, and, you know, Nelson's going to leave behind a pretty big uh, pretty big hole just from, you know, an experience standpoint because, you know, even with Ramchick, you know, when he came in and then he uh, took over that left tackle job, he was kind of an unknown just because he had played in a, in, uh, a college game at the Division One level. But the Badgers knew what they were getting in Nelson because he had played two years in Hawaii before. Um, and so to have that kind of infusion of um, experience and talent, I mean, like, that really added a lot to that secondary, I think. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I thought that they were uh, probably the best defensive secondary in terms of the, the four starters that the Badgers have had in a while. And then you know, to go on to Van Ginkle, I think he 
had one of the more underrated seasons um, out of this team. Just from you know, he'd been, he just kind of had a nose to the ball for most of the season, and it, it shows in the statistics. And you know, he certainly flashed a little bit more, and you know, made some flashier plays in those final couple of games at the end. But you know, from uh, just from a, a pass rushing standpoint, and you know. Uh, Effort on, uh, you know, running down guys, uh, from the other side of the play or, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, like, I think he, you know, uh, Van Ginkle, I mean, showed a lot in this, uh, this 2017 season. And I, I don't have many doubts that he's going to just step into a starter's role in 2018 and uh, really kind of thrive in that job. Excellent. And, you know, it's, uh, is there, uh, maybe to, to sum up the season, uh, did you expect Paul Chris to ever mutter the words turnover chain, my expletive deleted, uh, expletive deleted, uh, during the Orange Bowl the way that he did, which I mean, I don't think he meant to obviously have cameras see that, uh, but quite the uh, delivery on his part, and maybe the way to cap off a, a season, a 13 win season, and a New Year's Six Bowl win against a powerhouse like Miami. Uh, I would not have expected him to, uh, and you know, to he, he did not say that to us. I mean, like, I, I think that just goes to, I think that just shows you why. Um, you know, I remember back when when Chris was hired, and you know, people were talking about you know that uh, he's not great in in media settings, and that you know he doesn't like doing it. He'd rather you know just be with his guys and uh, you know go break down film for for all of his day. And if he didn't have to talk to the media for you know for any amount of time, then that would be just just fine with him. Uh, but uh, I think you know you look at that and you see a guy that was really invested in um, in you know, his, his team and, you know, having, helping them, you know, have a, a successful final game of the season and to, to really, you know, have the Badgers uh, win that turnover battle in the game. And, you know, it, 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 having something like, you know, say the turnover chain, I just would never, I think, cross his mind um, or his coaching staff's mind to, to really go out and do that. And so, you know, I think, and I think the Badgers kind of take pride in that they they're just not a you know a flashy team in the way that you know a team like Miami is you know kind of year in and year out. And so to go into to Miami Stadium and to uh, to kind of beat them at their own game, so to speak, to win that turnover battle. I mean, like I I'm not surprised that he and uh, the Badgers in general took. Uh, a little extra pride in that at the end of the game as, as things were kind of winding down. I, I mean, like they're competitive guys, you know, to, to get, um, you know, a little extra juice out of uh, something like that. It, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, you know, I'm sure they, uh, Paul did not uh, expect to be on camera when he was, when he was saying that. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's um, to say it surprised me no it, it didn't surprise me they're competitive guys they want to go out and win those teams and to to do it at, at you know like i said at the at the orange bowl uh in in miami uh you know and to to do it you know beating miami at their own game no i i think they uh they got a little extra out of that <laughs> yeah no it's uh 
it's 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 interesting that even to see the tweets that I think uh, Nick Nelson even had like you know the the goat emoji after someone showed the video there yeah. and and whatnot. So I think I mean he already has the locker room won over. I mean I think that's important for people to know. But I think that's even solidified it yeah. even further. Uh, just how much the I mean the, the, the Badgers. I mean the, they love playing for Paul. I mean there, there's there's no uh, there's no doubt about that. And so to um, that, yeah no I, I think that that's just one of the reasons why he gets. He gets just as invested in these, you know, types of uh, things that his players do, and you know that doesn't always come across in a traditional media setting. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, John, I know we went a little bit late. I appreciate you making some time for us tonight, and uh, just uh, you know, tell us where people can find you. Tell us. I mean, obviously, basketball season's going on. We haven't had a chance to really talk about this season, even though right now it is rough to talk about with the Badgers being nine and ten and and floundering in the Big Ten after a you know, really rough loss last night to Purdue, uh, twenty eight or not last night, but two nights ago, uh, as they gear up for yeah. yeah, on Tuesday as they face Illinois uh, tomorrow night on Friday. But what what can people expect from BadgerBlitz dot uh, coming up and, and and from you? Uh, yeah, well, we'll be uh, you know I'll, I'll be at the game uh, tomorrow night at the Kohl Center. Um, Illinois coming to town. Badgers have a uh, I believe an eleven game winning streak over the fighting Illini. So we'll see if they can uh, kind of keep that going. It's, you know, it's like you said, it's been a, been a rough season for uh, this Badger basketball team, but we've got some notes up on the site and I just I put up a preview uh, for the game as we were, um, you know, uh, waiting to get going on this podcast here. So if people want to head on over to badgerblitz.com and check that out, uh, both of those articles are free. We have plenty of uh, premium content coming up for recruiting, even, even after the uh, uh, national, uh, I guess that uh, early signing period got things all wrapped up for the Badgers. So, we'll, and as we get closer to uh, spring camp, we'll have some more previews as uh, we uh, get ready to kind of go into the off season before the 2018 season as well. Excellent, John. Thanks so much for your time, my friend. Uh, have a great evening. Really appreciate it again. Yep, you too. Thanks for having me. Guys, John, that was John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com. Follow him at John Veldheis. I'm Badger Blitz, and he'll be down there. Uh, we got Joe Byers tomorrow night for men's basketball. And just for people that know, too, Demetric Trace did practice in limited fashion uh, during the possession work in Wednesday's practice. He is not cleared as of Wednesday. Right now we are recording on a Thursday, so we are still up in the air as to uh, whether or not Trice will return tomorrow night against Illinois or if he'll come back uh, down the road, a little bit more later down the road. But, Scotty, before we, uh, you know, take off and there's also a report out there by Yahoo Sports that Nigel Hayes has signed a de- uh, or the Los Angeles Lakers will sign uh, Nigel Hayes to a 10 day contract. So that's more Badger basketball news. But Scott, let's talk about the major league baseball hall. Uh, yeah. Major league baseball hall of fame and your thoughts on the votes coming up. Okay. So it looks like uh, from some of the polling that they've talked to some of the voters that Jim Tomei, Chipper Jones, Vladimir Guerrero are, are lo- look like they could be locks to get in. Uh, Trevor Hoffman may just miss out again, although I think he deserves to be there. And it looks like there will be no um, Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens. And I, listen, I am certainly the furthest thing you would ever call a fan of Barry Bonds. I've made that abundantly clear. I thought he was a jerk to people, thought he was obnoxious, and I think he's a steroid user. However, I think before he was a steroid user, he was also a multi-time MVP. Um, I think the same about Roger Clemens. I think that it's it's 
to the point where I understand the point you wanted to make by not putting these guys in on the first or second or third ballot. Both of these guys deserve to be Hall of Fame, despite whether or not you, nothing was ever proven that they cheated for one. But regardless, when you, I, to me, when I look at the Hall of Fame, I look at it a couple ways. Can you tell the story of baseball and still exclude a player? Can you tell the story about Major League Baseball, Jake, and not talk about Pete Rose? Nope. Can you tell the story about baseball and not include Barry Bonds? Right. So, to me, Jim Tomey's a fine player, um, as well as Chipper Jones. But if in their heyday, if I lined them up against the wall playground style and I said, who do you got, Tomey or Bonds, who would you say? Right, I'd say Bonds. Uh, what about Chipper Jones or Bonds? Bond, yeah, Bonds. I know what you mean. So I guess I understand the message that the writers are trying to put forth. Your message was heard loud and clear. Okay. However, Jeff Bagwell made it last year, and while it was never proven, there were murmurs that he used steroids as well. And you know what, Jake? We'll never know. Because I have a feeling from what I've been told by people inside the game who will remain anonymous and who I will never divulge, have told me that upwards to 55 to 70 percent of players at any given time in the 90s, early 2000s took some PEDs of some sort, whether it was for their career or for a year or whatever. That being said, we only really know the people who got caught. Brian Braun got caught. Alex Rodriguez got caught. A couple players got caught. Other ones, it's just been rumored. It's been assumed. Get these guys in the Hall of Fame. They deserve to be there. If you want to keep guys like Sosa out, because, you know, you can make a debatable case that Mark McGuire doesn't have Hall of Fame numbers. I'm fine with him not being in the Hall of Fame. I'm fine with Sammy Sosa and Rafael Palmero. But you can't leave guys like Bonds and Clemens out of the Hall of Fame any longer. I think it's time to just stop grinding the axe, get them in. If you want to handle Alex Rodriguez differently when his, t- when his turn is up, because, again, he was – actually caught uh, and on a ledger of buying PEDs, that's fine. But enough is enough. Again, I'm not a Barry Bonds fan. I I never liked the way he carried himself, but there's no denying the fact that him and Roger Clemens are Hall of Famers. And we'll find out on Wednesday who gets in, but it's looking like it won't be either one of those two once again. This should be interesting, uh, to say the least. And we'll talk about that more next week, Alex. We're going to go through a 2018 Wisconsin Badgers uh, preview for football, and obviously now that we know who's returning and who's not, uh, you know we'll preview the positions to watch, the players to watch, the concerns. Hey, one oh, more thing, by the yeah. way. Sorry, this just broke a little while ago. Giannis Anakonakumbo is a NBA All-Star starter again. He finished first in the media vote, first in the player vote, and second in the fan vote. Um, so uh, something positive. The Bucks haven't been playing well lately, but that's certainly a positive. Is it, is it Adento Kumpo, right? Adento Kumpo, yeah. yeah. Adento sure. Kumpo, yeah. Uh, he uh, definitely a uh, you know uh, much deserved after what you've seen from uh, from Giannis, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's a nice thing of respect uh, for what he's gone through uh, and his uh, evolution uh, in the game. So we'll see what Giannis can do uh, in the All-Star game. But also to see, uh, we'll talk Bucks. Hopefully I can get Eric name on uh, or we get another Bucks guy on to talk 
what's going on with this team where uh, a good win against Washington earlier this week is compounded though with a loss uh, against Miami. So we'll, we'll break down the inconsistencies uh, and also what the return, the potential return down the road of Jabari Parker could be, or even many type of deadline deals they could have at the trade deadline that could impact uh, what this team could do in the potential that lies ahead for them. And, and even what uh, a lot of talk about Jason Kidd, uh, we'll also break down, uh, you know, what could be his future. Uh, if he has one in Milwaukee. So uh, we got lots to get to uh, come up in the next couple of weeks and also spring training. Hey, man, it's just around the corner. It's getting there. I know you're getting excited. I, of course, of course. Uh, and then also next week, too, Senior Bowl Talk, our own Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter will be down there. We'll check in with him to see how Garrett Dooley, if he still has got that club on. He told me Garrett did uh, in December that his hand should be his, right hand should be healed. So uh, we'll see how Garrett is doing along with Troy Fumagalli and seeing how he uh, will uh, fare down in Mobile. We'll check in with him and uh, and, ho- and hopefully another guest uh, see what they can, you know, what what they see down in Mobile, Alabama, at the Senior Bowl. So lots to get to next week and the weeks ahead. And uh, for the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jay Kokorowski. Dozo Bacenia, my friends. We'll see you next week here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza.